name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. And in this Haunted Happy Hour, Kristen and I just discovered we went two completely different directions. Woo! I know. So we're going to talk about creepy shit kids do and say. So And are. And, dun, dun, and dun. the fact that they, yeah, they are. So <laughs> we actually, we're, we just said creepy kids. We're just going to do a Haunted Happy Hour about creepy kids. And so I went paranormal. So I was like, I want to hear about, like, I hear that the veil between life and death and the spirit of the living and the spirit of those that have passed is much thinner when you're a baby, a child, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. I kind of went in that direction. Stories of kids seeing ghosts, talking to dead people, just seeing things and talking to things that aren't there. But Mm -hmm. I just found out. Yeah, I just found out that Kristen interpreted it differently which is super exciting because you're gonna get two like very different story times with us yeah i kind of so. like it maybe we should have more vague titles be yeah like, because hmm. both of these are super creepy so how did you interpret creepy kids i interpret it as or interpreted it as rad kids psychopaths sociopaths that type of thing which also creepy so yeah which is maybe not something that they'll grow out of might be even worse when they're adults (laughs) yeah not just be seeing ghosts yeah for sure and you know not to like like it's you know mental illness is mental illness whether it's sociopath or psychopath Mm -hmm. but if you're the parent of a kid that is having those issues it's scary Oh, yeah, I've got some pretty creepy stories. I've got some quotes in here, too, of what other psychopaths have said before, which is also super creepy. Yeah, so I actually reached out to my Facebook friends, and I have stories of people I know personally, so of their kids or their siblings. I have one of a sibling, so, you know, that'll be interesting to hear of of that because I got to hear some some really cool stuff from them and what they're mm-hmm. experiencing and it, it's also interesting to hear like you think people are like don't believe in this stuff but then their kids start to do stuff and they're like what the hell you know what I mean right so well let's start it out did you do anything creepy as a kid uh not that I recall so I don't know we've talked about before how I don't really acknowledge spirituality very much and whether Mm -hmm. that's because I'm afraid or whether that's because I also deal with like a lot of religious I'm kind of trying to break out of that fear that I have of anything that doesn't fit into like a really stupid religious box that I was raised in Mm -hmm. it's sacrilege so which I don't necessarily believe is true but when you're raised in it especially as a child it's really hard to to break out of it so it's hard for me to acknowledge that but I will say when I was a kid I think I saw shadow figures but I just oh yeah you've told me about your room yeah I I had a really active imagination but I remember like at a certain point like I asked for a nightlight and my dad was really weirded out because he was like I was like four or five at this point and had never been afraid of the dark and all of a sudden I came to him and he was up watching TV and I was like, I'm scared of the dark. And he was like, since when? And I just came to a point where I was like, I, th- I was seeing things that I could only describe as darker than the dark. 
and it, it was a pitch black room you know mm-hmm. so that's all I can really think that's that super creepy maybe I had seen before and then it just kind of stopped but then I also never really got over that like I still sleep with the tv on and only every now and then like sometimes because I've recently developed a sleeping problem so sometimes I will wake up and have to turn the tv off because I think it is interrupting my sleeping pattern Mm -hmm. but it makes me really uncomfortable but I think it's sometimes the only way I can actually get to sleep but usually it's right when I'm on the cusp of going to sleep and I know that I'm not going to be like up very Mm -hmm. long otherwise I fall asleep with the tv on every night I don't I still don't sleep in the dark so Mm-hmm. You know, I never really got over that. So I don't know if I would just had an overactive imagination when I was trying to fall asleep or if I was actually seeing something. And then also anytime I was scared, I think all kids do this. So not really creepy, but just my poor mother, I would just stand <laughs> like she was a side sleeper and she would face Aww. out. I would just stand at the side of her bed and I'd be like, your poor mom or I would just stand there and you know I think moms can sense when like their child is just like standing or next to them something is staring at them yeah and I would, I would wake up and she would just go <laughs> every single time and I'd be like my tummy hurts or something or like <laughs> I had a bad dream or something like that but and I've always had really really vivid nightmares even when I was a really young child so mm-hmm. and I've told you that's that lot that's mm-hmm. even still so you know not quite sure what that's all about maybe that's just a thing that I that I have so that's really all that I can remember yeah I don't I don't think I've done anything weird the most I can say is that as an adult my fiance has mentioned that I not all the time but I'll occasionally talk in my sleep and I know that there's times that I've got like a cramp in my foot in the middle of the night and I will literally like wake up screaming and poor him like so I don't know if I've done that my whole life but I at least do that now occasionally and I feel bad for him I think that sleepwalking is one of the scariest things people can do I don't do that much but I guess occasionally I'll have conversations with him like he'll talk back and we'll just keep talking (laughs) see my friend Annie was a sleepwalker and we Mm -hmm. she was one of my first friends I had like sleepovers with so is she the one that just got it like sat up and screamed yeah yes yes she is yeah i had a trundle bed so a trundle is one of those things where it like folds down and you can slide it under a bed and you can you know slide it out and it'll pop up and it's basically just like an extra little bed and great for sleepovers exactly and i was sleeping on the trundle and she was sleeping in my bed i don't but and or i think that's how that's how i see it in my in my head Mm-hmm. And we were just fucking sleeping, and she, we were probably in second grade, so we were probably seven years old. This bitch, oh my God, she was fucking laying down, and she sat straight up, she, like just shot up. I can see like it, Michael Myers. Like, yeah, I can see it <laughs> so vividly. Her eyes just popped open. She just, her head was like moving, kind of from one side to the other, like a fucking siren, you know. Uh. And she was so creepy. Yeah, and she was just screaming at the top of her lungs, bloody fucking murder. Both my parents hauling ass down the hallway. (laughs) I can see their faces in my head so clearly. 
and they're looking in my bedroom just staring at her screaming and then she just lays back down and we're all just staring fuck at that. her no fuck that uh-uh if i have a kid that does that i'm gonna be like i gotta return it and then they're like oh she must have just had a bad dream and they go back to bed and i'm just laying next oh, to her no. like uh, like can i did you even you couldn't have slept there's no fucking way i mean i must have i don't remember going to bed with oh, them oh my god but like i knew she was a sleepwalker i i know that she got up at my house a couple times and like and she's still a night owl like she still does not really sleep at night so i don't know if that has anything to do with just like her never really having like mm-hmm. sleeping at night or just not ever i don't know but yeah super weird <laughs> yeah Ugh. creepy kids speaking of creepy kids so i have like i said the, i went the more paranormal way so a lot of mine i think a couple of ours are just like little quotes and stories Ew. Mm -hmm. One of these is on like images and some fucking bitch decided to impose this text over an image of Pazuzu. And I'm just worried about it. Why does that always happen to me? (laughs) (laughs) Because she has the creepiest of kids. Like I know that if I look at this, I'm just staring at it. I know that it's I get like literal tears in my eyes. Okay, I can't look at it anymore. I it's like super subconscious. I don't even like I know it's just a person with like fake teeth and white makeup and red eyeliner. But why is it so scary? <laughs> For the same reason that the fucking grudge where it's just a pale face and black hair freaks me the fuck out. I know, dude. Like god, such simple like it's beauty and simplicity, but mm-hmm. also god damn it. But I'll I'll just do like two little quick ones real quick. These two are people I know. The first one's actually our coworker. Oh. Yep. So his name is Keith, and this is about his daughter. And again, mine is kind of hard because these kids aren't necessarily all creepy. It's just like creepy things they do and see that we as adults cannot mm-hmm. or choose not to. Right. So he said, when we moved into our townhome, my daughter started seeing an old woman in her room. Fuck that. She would. Yeah. <laughs> We're, already done. We're already done over here. She would wake up in the middle of the night screaming. I would. Oh my god. I would run in and she would be screaming about this old woman standing next to her, like next to her bed or in the corner of the room. The room always felt cold. My oh daughter. My god, this was gonna freak me out. But just like this whole episode. <laughs> this episode's gonna freak me out. I'm yeah. already 12 minutes in and I'm like, I'm done. Uh huh. And we're drinking wine, which is our drug of choice. So, <laughs> My daughter is older now, and she doesn't see the old woman, but her room, to this day, is always cold. And I was—I literally told him, I was like, you know that woman is still there, right? Like, she's still fucking there, just because you can't see her. Yeah. It's just because your kid grew up. The old exactly. woman is still fucking in that room. Yeah. <sighs> what did he say? He was like, yeah, you know. Oh my god, that's so him. I know. He's like, whatever. Yeah, I was like, okay. um, (laughs) If your kid was screaming, because like kids can be super chill about like ghosts they know don't intend to harm them or like family members that have deceased. But if your kid's screaming because they're so terrified, Uh, it might not be something you want in your house. I'm just saying. Well, also, I mean, he also has a mother that's on like the dementia track. That doesn't seem like a great place for someone like that. Yeah, maybe that's who she's talking to. Right? Mm -hmm. I know he had a bunch of problems with her acting up throughout his house. I wonder if that was adding to it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Call somebody. (laughs) (laughs) 
Who are you going to call? Well, it's also interesting because I'm not saying it can't happen in a townhome because it happens in apartments and stuff all the time. But you have to wonder, you know, was it somebody in that particular townhome? Right. Was it somebody just on the land before the townhome was there? Right. Or that house? Did someone die in your apartment, Keith? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. So this next one is my friend Andrew. And this one's really short, too. And he's told me this story before, but... He said, my sister used to talk to what she referred to as the man in black when she was little. She would have full conversations with him. When my parents asked her what the man's name was, it was the same name of the police officer that lived down the street from us that had died. Whoa. Are you fucking ki- Wait, 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 wait. Are you fucking kidding me? That's what he said. How old was she? I have Like, would I she know. have known his name? From what I understand, no. Whoa. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. See, we're, that's taking, we're returning this one. Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I think that's all. Like, I'm going to say this a million times. I think that's just all kids, though. Like, I think they can just. No, I agree. I agree. I per- I've said it in the past, but I personally think that we just keep going in a circle. When we die, we just are reincarnated and we just do it again. And when we're little, we remember that. We we see the ghosts because we were one and we just see it for a while until it goes away. Yep. I think. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. Like, we have no other fucking idea. I was yeah. watching. I don't know how y'all feel about mediums. Like, I don't even really know Britain in particular like it doesn't really matter because nobody knows anything so whatever. Right. for sure exactly but she she was like you just like it's just a different life she was talking right. about like somebody literally asked her like what happens when we die because I am more terrified of death than anything else and she was like from what I can tell from talking to the dead is that it's just a different life on a different mm-hmm. plane that's all it is and it's better because when you're alive you're trapped in a vessel you're Mm -hmm. trapped in a physical body that is riddled with diseases and ailments and pain Mm -hmm. but when you move on from your vessel you get to go to a place at least for a certain amount of time where you don't have you're not restricted to boundaries just waiting to be reincarnated physical yeah like a physical being is basically what she said that's how i feel like i'm not trying to you know talk like highly about myself but i am proud of myself for not being afraid of death i'm afraid of the pain before death the pain that this body that i inhabit is going to have to go through that's gonna suck but i i don't think death is scary I think it just continues in a big old circle. Well, and it's like dying is not painful from what I understand. To get to the point where you're dying is the shitty right. part, you well, know. Exactly, exactly. But once you're actually dying, your brain is full of so many endorphins and all of that stuff just causing you to not feel. You're basically going into the point of ecstasy death at that exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that part I'm not scared about. The potential of cancer or heart attack or things like that that happened right before, that scares me because I know that those hurt really bad before you get to that endorphin stage. 
and it's scary like if you think yeah. you're having a heart attack or think you're having a stroke the panic that comes before the peace mm, right like because your whole body doesn't want to die obviously you have to get to the point of like accepting it exactly i talked to you guys about my cousin robin who died he had a heart attack and he knew that's what was going to kill him he had had two previous heart attacks and i asked him i was like does it hurt and he goes it feels like somebody is standing on your chest beating it it hurts so bad that mm. part scares me yeah yeah absolutely not the after well yeah because the after you're done with the pain you right. know even even if i'm wrong and there's nothing i'd rather be done with the pain well yeah because i no, i i and i totally agree yeah. like the pain or nothing like immense amount of pain or nothing and then the yeah. the scary part is what i was kind of raised in is and then you're telling More me pain. there's like an eternal hellfire like fuck that like you know what i mean that sucks right. why would you think anybody cares enough about us nobody cares enough about us to fucking torture us for a millennia and that's what i hate like that like who the fuck like you said who the fuck cares like yeah nobody nobody if someone does i got a list of people for you but nobody cares about how many billions of people do we have on this planet that's a lot of work that's a lot of paperwork i wouldn't do it mm -mm. well and also there are i think different like you know in the christian bible that i was taught there's no they literally like they, well, they said there was like, there's no sin worse than any other sin. And then I was like, what about the Ten Commandments? You're telling me that murder and adultery are the same? Right, exactly. No. Exactly. I'm That's sorry. Ridiculous. They're not. They're not the same. No. I, I'm sorry. Like, you're telling, I would never do this. I'm just saying, if I went and cheated on my husband and then walked down the street and killed someone, I would be tried the same? Absolutely not. Right. Or even if it's the same crime, this is going to sound really graphic and I'm sorry. So content warning really quick. If it is rape versus child rape, I'm not saying either one's good, but there are vast differences between the two. Still. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I, and I, I that's just why I, why is it always get to, we should have a I know, we always get here. <laughs> we always round up out here. We haven't even gotten through fucking three stories like, yet. Creepy kids? No, religion. religion. <laughs> I just, it just, just, aside from all, the, but like, yeah, it, it just, I, I just, it's hard, so hard for me to subscribe to that theory that you can damn someone to eternal hellfire for walking around being a good person because they just didn't believe what you wanted them to believe. Yeah, for what you as a person, as a man or woman believe. I'm sorry, the freaking, my podcast sitting next to me doesn't have the same religion that I have, and that does not mean she is going to hell. Well, yeah, but they will give animals scapegoats and be like, well, they don't have free will because they can't, and it's like I don't know, and, and same thing for like they have free will. People. They decide to do what the fuck they want. Well, it's the same thing with like they are like disabled people and like stuff like that. And it's like that's ridiculous. You're writing that is fucking ridiculous. You're writing exceptions because you're yes. there are holes being plugged in your story here. 
Exactly. So where is the atheist exception? It's never gonna be there. And that's bullshit. Because you should believe what you want to believe to get you through this fucking life. You know, it's what, 80 years of existence, maybe? Just do what the fuck you want. Don't hurt people, but do what you want. Right, right. Don't hurt yourself or others. And if you do hurt yourself, honest, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying, like, there are ways for you to get help for that. But if you're not hurting anyone else, you know, like, at least be good at the best. Do the best you can with this shitty, fucked up situation that we find ourselves in sometimes. I'm not saying all life is bad. And I'm not inherently trying to be pessimistic because I try really hard to be optimistic, but... Jesus, dude. <laughs> this, uh, life is fucking hard sometimes. And exactly. If you don't find comfort in religion, there's probably a good reason. It's because it's not comforting. Exactly. Like, I fully admit, and the only reason I'm going to say this on here is because none of my family even listens, but I am judged for a lot of things I do harshly by my family, and it's incredibly wrong. Same. And there are things, like, like I've said in the past, my kids can do a lot of things you know, short of hurting people, killing people, animals, that type of thing, you can do a lot of shit and I'm going to forgive you for any of it. I, I'm not even going to forgive you. That is your life. That is your decision to make. And talking about kids, since that's what we're doing, I was, re I okay, for someone who doesn't want kids, I, re I read and watch a lot of parenting content <laughs> because I think it's important. Tell me about it. Watch the babies thing on Netflix. It's great. Sorry. Well, no, yeah, but it's like, knowing how to even just talk to the next generation of children, mm -hmm. even if you're not parenting them, I think is important. Right. You know, and they were talking about how like having a household with no secrets and mm -hmm. having a That's going to be Connor and I. We've already talked about yeah, that. Yeah, where you foster honesty and knowing that you, like this one house was like, we have a place called The Vault where you can tell me anything and you 100% will not get in trouble for it. You could tell me I anything. Love that. You know, I love like that. that. Like, like you and I have that friendship. We call it the honesty pact where that is our time to tell anything you need and we're not allowed to get upset. And Connor and I have a similar thing. Our, it's like our safe word for conversation of, I need to tell you something and I need to not fight about it. And I think that's good. I think that's what we will have with our kids too. I, I've already planned conversations because as you guys I'm sure have figured out, my family wasn't great on the sex talk. I didn't get it. I figured it out on my own at nine years old. Like that's what happened. And I won't do that with my kids. I will very much, starting around eight, probably be like, I don't know if you're feeling this now, but you might, and here is why. And you can talk to me about anything. Exactly. And I, I mean, I, I grew up in the South, like the conservative. <laughs> Y'all didn't South. talk about it. We, we didn't, yeah, I mean, you know, my parents were good about puberty and stuff like that. And, but I heard about it, I think maybe because one of my friends beat them to the punch maybe. But you don't want that to happen either because exactly. then there's a lot of misinformation. And I can 100% tell you I felt more comfortable going to my friends than I did my parents. And that's not because exactly. anything they necessarily did wrong. I think it was just because also being really raised in a purity abstinence type, you know, religious mm -hmm. background, I was like, okay, you know, just being perfectly honest, I want to go have sex as a teenager. Like, I'm going to go talk to my friends about that because I'm going to go fucking do it. And I don't want to talk, you know, I had to go to a purity, you know, pledge to keep it till marriage, you know, camp when I was like 13 or 14. Yeah, that didn't last for more than a year, mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest. And, you know, so 
I think it's important to, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, you need to know that your kid's going to do whatever they want, whether you see it as a mistake or not. Mm-hmm. And no, I agree. whether they're Christian or not, you know, like I have, I know friends that are Christian to this day that had sex when they were teenagers because that's they just, whether they saw it as a mistake now or they didn't, it doesn't matter, but it just fucking happens. No, I agree. And I, I know this isn't what we were supposed to talk about and this is going to get deeply personal and y'all should feel very privileged that I'm saying this honestly, because it's something that I have kept close to the chest for a long time, but sex for me was never talked about. You could definitely tell that it was a bad thing. We, we don't do that. It's very embarrassing. It's not an okay thing. And that affected me basically my whole life. And I am still having to deal with the fallout of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's like, I've said this before. It's kind of a shame that like you don't have kids yet and I don't want them because I think, and it's a lot of people I think that are of an older generation or a more conservative younger generation are going to be like, good, I'm glad you're not having fucking kids. But Mm -hmm. I want children to know, a younger generation to know that it's not taboo. It's completely natural. It's a fucking biological gift. There are two species in the world that have sex for pleasure, us and dolphins. That is it. Right. So, And please talk to your kids about it because if you don't, you're going to fuck them up. Yeah. I'm not kidding. That's what happened to me. Please talk to them. Yeah. And, you know, I was lucky that I was dating someone when I was like 15, 16. And our parents both figured out that we were just going to do what we wanted to do. <laughs> and both of our parents talked to us, talked to me and got me on birth control. That's and amazing. I was very, even in a conservative Christian you know, I'm, I'm, my mom doesn't listen and she would probably be horrified, but I, she should be proud of that, you know, that she did that. She didn't, she wasn't happy about it, but she, she did it. She wasn't like. I think she should be proud because on the opposite end of that, I'm with my boyfriend who I love and get a hickey because I'm a teen- teenager and that's what happens. And my mom looks at me and goes, I see that hickey. Like that's, that's the complete opposite. That is not what any, anybody ever needs. That is not going to go well. You know, I may have gotten similar language, but, you know, at the same time, they were like, all right, well, let's go to the fucking OBGYN and talk about our options, you know? Right. Because it's that or another alternative, alternate ending, which didn't (laughs) happen, you know? So I, I was fortunate in that level that, you know, at least there wasn't total shame I mean there was a little bit of like but they were like okay well let's talk about our options his mom and my mom to me but it wasn't automatically uh you need to abstain and you're not allowed to see him anymore and all these things like they continued to let us have our relationship because they knew if we and they didn't ignore you correct they knew that if we weren't going to if we were going to do it either in secret or they could just let it happen so right they let it happen safely at least so you know. Talk to your kids. Talk to your kids. I know that's what we always get at eventually. Talk to your kids. Yeah, you know. <laughs> this is a parenting, sex positive. We talk about religion. And, and also, let's talk about some creepy stuff. That's We're 30 minutes our in. HHHs. It needs a new title. It needs a new title. <laughs> we just maybe need to have another podcast or something. I don't know. <laughs> Where we talk about sex and all that. Yeah. Does anybody even like care? I mean, I don't know. I feel like. 
this, I, you know, this is why we have an unstructured, and from the beginning we've talked about this being a completely unstructured mm-hmm. format, but maybe we need to have like a completely unstructured where we just like drink and we're like, okay, what do you feel like talking about what today? Do you talk about? Or maybe we do it on Patreon. Does anybody have any interest in that? Let me know. But anyways, what do you got? What's your first thing you're going to talk about? Ooh, okay, so I have three long stories. I'm going to start with one of those, okay? Go for so, it. So we're going to talk about psychopaths, which creep me the fuck out. All right, so all the stories that I received are mostly from psychologists, so it's their side of seeing these parents. So it's not it, – It's we do have some of the intimate of what the kids did, like, in the home by themselves – but it's not totally about that. A lot of these are also, I will quote them and I will give you the references because some of them are from books. So so this is from a book by Piers Anthony and it's called The Sopaths. Sopath is a noun for a child born without a soul. Soulpaths will lie, cheat, rape, and murder to get what they want. Now here's the story. She opened the door stepped into the hall and screamed. Abner leapt to join her. There was blood spreading from Jasper's room. I'll handle it, he said, steering her back to the bedroom. She went without protest. He looked into Jasper's room. The boy was sprawled across his bed, bathed in blood. A pool of it was gelling on the floor, extending to the doorway. The boy's throat had been slit. Abner leapt to the small figure. The blood was still spilling out. He caught a fold of the sheet in his hand and clapped it to Jasper's throat. He felt a faint pulse. Had he stopped it in time? Zelda, he called. Call an ambulance. He's alive but fading. Then he held on, holding the boy's remaining blood inside while waiting. Zelda got on the phone, and soon the ambulance arrived. Abner got out of the way and let Zelda handle it. She was competent, now that there was something positive to do. If the boy had been dead, it would have been another matter. Numb, Abner walked to Olive's room. She was just finishing a candy bar. There was a spot of blood on her nightie. He kept his voice level. Where did you get that bar, Olive? From Jasper, she answered, matter-of-factly licking her fingers. Did he give it to you? No. How did you get it from him? I snuck up behind him and cut his throat and took it. Jesus Christ. Olive, you shouldn't do that. She continued licking her fingers, ignoring him. And of course, it was a stupid thing to say. The word should had no meaning to her. Only can. Jasper had had something she wanted and wouldn't give it to her, so she had taken it by almost killing him. He closed the door and walked back to the bedroom. Zelda was standing where he had left her, facing away as the medic continued to stabilize the boy. That sound, she said. What could he tell her? Maybe you better lie down, I'll call the police? They have already done that. I'll go to the hospital with Jasper. I just want to know. There was no way out. She tried to kill him. She nodded. Why? She wanted his candy bar. She shuddered. Tell them it was an accident. Because even after this, she couldn't stand to do what they had to do. He knew better, but couldn't have her freaking out right away. Okay. They took Jasper away, and Zelda went with them. Abner waited. If they had gotten over there when they heard the sound, would they have been in time? He suspected not. The child had snucked up behind her older brother with the knife while he was preoccupied with the video game and sliced his throat. Had she even asked for the candy bar? Probably not, as she knew he wouldn't share. The sound might have been him collapsing on the bed or her departing the room with the candy bar. They should have locked her in her room until they could watch her. They had been caught short by that lapse. 
The police surveyed the scene. They found the knife where it lay under a sheet. It would have Olive's fingerprints on it. They were playing, Abner said. We didn't realize the knife was real. It was a horrible accident. The man nodded. He spoke into his radio. Sopath, come clean it up. So they knew about Sopaths. How was it that the news had never become public? But Abner knew the answer, to avoid panic. They were keeping it quiet because the problem had no ready solution. The man turned to Abner, keep it locked up. Keep it locked up. Yep. And that is a story from a guy who collected stories of sociopathic children in the book, The Sopaths. That's terrifying. For a fucking candy bar, she slit her brother's throat. Well, when you don't have any connection to emotions, it's right. really black and white. You want something and he's not going to give it to you, so you move the problem out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know. But that poor boy, he's just playing a game, just eating his candy bar, which is his fucking candy bar! Let him eat the fucking thing! And then all of a sudden, you're bleeding to death on your bed. Yep. Yeah, that's another thing with children, too, is sometimes you don't have control over that. Again, it is a mental illness. It's a mental condition. There's nothing that can be done about that. And it's similar to talking about depression and anxiety. I'm not comparing that it's not it's apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's like it's delicate because it's like you wouldn't right. talk about someone with depression as like horrible and scary. But this is like the different this is killing people because there's no right and wrong you know what i mean it's right these children have no consciences there's no compass none yeah they, they don't have that and we have no way really right now to create that in them the only way they get that is by watching people and becoming ted bundy and faking that emotion that's even scarier if they learn how if they learn how which I have one, actually a couple, where they did learn how. And that's super creepy and manipulative. And that's how you get serial killers and Correct. things like that. And, you know, there are people, wa- not every psychopath and every sociopath is a serial killer. Let's just make that perfectly right. clear. There are people walking around you see every single day, or at least in your lifetime, that are psychopaths and sociopaths that have assimilated into society perfectly fine but it doesn't always happen right by becoming a mimic they have basically learned what our facial expressions mean not the emotion behind them they basically know i actually i'll I'll just say it right now actually really quick this is somebody a, a guy in prison who is a psychopath and he said this they were asking him they were doing one of those quizzes like you show a picture of someone smiling and are they happy what's their emotion are they sad and this is what he said I don't know what you call this emotion, one psychopathic prisoner said, looking at a photo of a fearful face, but it's what people look like just before you stab them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And which also, though, I do feel like not, I, I do, not that they really care, but I do feel bad for them. Like, we get to live our lives, for better or worse, with emotion. And to know what it feels like to love and to be loved and to feel sad for ourselves and for other people and to make emotional connections. And they're basically just going through being computers, you know, analyzing terrifying computers. Like, yeah, yeah. Here's another quote that I found really quick. 
I remember when I bit my mom really hard and she was bleeding and crying, Carl says. I remember feeling so happy, so overjoyed. That's so creepy. But like, not really happy or overjoyed. Just something similar. Some semblance of. Yeah, that's the thing that has made him Yeah. That something that's... close to happy. Yeah, exactly. And it was pain, causing someone else pain. Right. And this happens with young kids. They have found this as young as four, I think I was reading. Yeah. Four year olds. They're psychopaths already. When they start to get their language and stuff mm -hmm. really going, you know? Exactly. So creepy. What you got? Uh, well, not that. <laughs> but so my next one is actually from a this was actually one of my very first friends in life ever that sent this in. So okay. this is my friend Angie and she has a little girl named Stassi. And she said, I saw your post about creepy kids, creepy things kids have said or done. And I have two oh, that God. I can think of right now. I'm ready. So my grandfather Harley in Minnesota died my sophomore year of high school. So 2010, 2011. So her child was not born yet. So okay. Stassi is two and a half now, has never met him, never seen him. I have never showed a picture of him, and the other day she looked up and saw a picture of him that I didn't even realize we had framed and said, Minnesota Grandpa. Whoa. And my parents and I were just sitting there like, how does she even know that? And that's just, and that's one instance, and that's one of the things that actually comes up a lot with kids is specifically talking to or about dead relatives they've never met before which is actually kind of cool which is why i think we're all we're all in a circle together like she probably knew that because she was with them at some point and they're hanging out and they're like oh yeah i was you're gonna go see my daughter you're gonna go hang out with her you're gonna be her new baby it's gonna be great i'm your grandfather you're not really gonna see me but you can hang out with me right now yeah or i'm gonna take care of you until you get to her or something yeah yeah and then a couple days later she was sitting on her bottom bed of her trundle pointing to the top and said mommy that's a ghost Whoa. I asked her what she said again, and she pointed and said, a ghost on my bed. So if anyone were to ask me if I think ghosts are real and that kids can see them or are able to meet people from a past life, I would say yes, 100%. <laughs> I bet. I wonder if Grandpa was just like sitting there hanging out watching. Maybe. I mean, it could have been a completely different ghost or yeah. it could have been. It could have been her grandfather. Absolutely. Which is super, that's comforting. The, um, mm -hmm. Just a random ghost is is not comforting at all. <laughs> it's not great, it's not great. But, you know, it being a relative could be, depending on how you feel about that. Right. So this one's also not too long. This friend of mine is actually, her name is JC, and she, we were friends back in elementary school. So this is kind of cool. Like, friends that I was friends with when I was a kid now having their own kids and having these experiences with their kids. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, so I've always had a spirit follow me around ever since I can remember. And like she has. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I now know it's a man. So I'm pretty sure it's my great grandfather. Another great grandfather. <laughs> or another grandfather. <laughs> 
And JC also mentioned to me as we continued talking that she has smelled her grandfather's cologne. Whoa. Further, that's like, so cool. Yeah, further affirming that it's him. I found all my kids stop and talk to a wall ever since they were all little and have had full on conversations with this person. When my daughter was about one, she refused to sleep in her room just out of the blue, and I couldn't figure out why. I'd have to lay in her room with her and help her help put her to sleep. One night, I was sitting in the room with her and rocking her to sleep, and the uh, the picture on her wall was thrown across the room. Whoa, that doesn't seem very nice. I don't. I was about to say like I didn't say this to her when I was talking to her, but I was like. I don't think that's grandpa. <laughs> I mean, maybe if he was like trying to get their attention and because mm -hmm. she wasn't in the room anymore, he was like, put my baby back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know. It scared her and we had to get out of the room because she kept pointing and screaming at something that wasn't there. So kids, I am not a, like an investigator, a parapsychologist, anything, but typically I would take my kid pointing and screaming instead of being comforting as something a little bit more malicious. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. At the same time, though, if you do think that your great grandfather is following you around, I would also take that as something that can kind of fight something else off, you know, like if, at Seconded. least if you have a spirit that you know is good is there with you mm -hmm. at the very least you have something on your side <laughs> right well that's why I think I'm surrounded by so many relatives it's just because I'm so sensitive to that stuff I think that they just hang out to make sure that I'm cool and don't attract bad stuff protect you mm -hmm. yeah and then she said that she has another story story and she said and then there was this point that I was at work I worked with two-year-olds, and one girl who was very attached to me was sitting next to me eating her snack one day, and out of nowhere, she just asked me, who is that guy standing right behind you? Oh, fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> right behind you? Yeah. I turned around thinking a parent had walked into the room, but no one was there. <laughs> I asked her if he was still there, and she said yes. No! <laughs> and that he was a grandpa, so he was an older man. So and upset. there's been so many incidents, but those were the two that stuck out to me. And then we kind of started talking, and she told me that specifically one time she was just walking around Walmart, and the smell of her grandfather's cologne just hit her, and even her husband could smell it. Whoa! Seriously? Yeah, so, you know, that's why she was that's like, cool. I'm pretty sure it's my great-grandfather. But, yeah, so the one with the picture flying across the room and the screaming... Yeah. I don't know that might could have been something else but she didn't mention that anything has like tormented them or anything so that could have been like a one-off or maybe maybe grandfather was like you know put my baby back or i don't know who knows but yeah so maybe that's why he's around so much maybe yeah maybe cleanse your house i'll give you some uh sage yeah Make sure it's the type of stage that Native Americans don't use. That's appropriation. But there are good <laughs> kinds. It's a closed practice from what I've been reading. I've been learning. <laughs> All right. So this next one is a psychologist talking about a boy named Michael. So Michael's problem started, according to his mother, around age three, shortly after his brother Alan was born. 
At the time, she said, Michael was mostly just acting, quote-unquote, like a brat. But his behavior soon escalated to throwing tantrums during which he would scream and shriek inconsolably. These weren't ordinary toddler fits. It wasn't, I'm tired, or I'm frustrated, the normal things kids do, Anne remembered. His behavior was really out there, and would happen for hours and hours each day, no matter what we did. For several years, Michael screamed every time his parents told him to put on his shoes or perform other ordinary tasks, like retrieving one of his toys from the living room. Going somewhere, staying somewhere, anything would set him off, Miguel said. These furies lasted well beyond toddlerhood. At eight, Michael would still fly into a rage when Anne or Miguel tried to get him ready for school, punching the wall and kicking holes in the door. Which, by the way, really quick offshoot, Connor has an employee that his son does this. That's insane. You should really get your kid checked out. I was about to say, like, even just in therapy, even if it's just some sort of anger management problem or, like, a genetic condition or something like that, you should... I always think it's a good idea to have children in some sort of therapy, even if you don't think mm -hmm. there's anything. It's kind of like taking your kid to the dentist, an eye doctor, a exactly. pediatrician. I think that therapists, not, not psychiatrists even, just like a general therapists, developmental therapists are good just to make sure that your child's on track and you're not missing anything psycho psychologically developmentally. Yeah. You know. Just keep up on it. Play no, therapy's a thing. You know? Exactly. I agree. Left unwatched, he would cut up his trousers with scissors or methodically pull his hair out. He would also vent his anger by slamming the toilet seat down again and again until it broke. By the time he turned five, Michael had developed an uncanny ability to switch from full-blown anger to moments of pure rationality or calculated charm, which creeps me the fuck out. Yeah, a facility, yeah, a facility that Anne describes as deeply unsettling. You never know when you're going to see a proper emotions, she said. She recalled one argument over a homework assignment when Michael shrieked and wept as she tried to reason with him. I said, Michael, remember the brainstorming we did yesterday? All you have to do is take your thoughts from that and turn them into sentences and you're done. He's still screaming bloody murder, so I say, Michael, I thought we brainstormed so we could avoid all this drama today. He stopped dead in the middle of the screaming turned to me and said in this flat adult voice well you didn't think that through clearly then did ya oh, that's fucking no. creepy uh huh yeah now this is the psychologist when I first met Michael he seemed shy but remarkably well behaved while his brother Alan ran through the house with a plastic bag held overhead like a parachute Michael entered the room aloofly then curled up on the living room sofa hiding his face in the cushions can you come say hello? Anne asked him. He glanced at me, then sprang cheerfully to his feet. Sure, he said, running to hug her. Reprimanded for bouncing a ball in the kitchen, he rolled his eyes like any nine-year-old, then docilely went outside. A few minutes later, he came back in the house, capering antically in front of Jake, who was bobbing up and down on his seat and sit-and-ride scooter. When the scooter tipped over, Michael gasped theatrically and ran over to his brother's side. Jake, are you okay? He asked, wide-eyed with concern, earnestly ruffling his younger brother's hair. He f flashed me a winning smile, which is such a fucking psychopath. Are you fucking kidding me? If the display of brotherly affection felt forced, it was difficult to see it as fundamentally disturbed. Gradually, though, Michael's behavior began to morph. While queuing up a Pokemon video on the family's computer upstairs, Michael turned to me and remarked crisply, 
As you can see, I don't really like Alan. When I asked if that was really true, he said, yes, it's true, then added tonelessly, I hate him. Glancing down a second later, he noticed my digital tape recorder on the table. Did you record that? He asked. I said that I had. He stared at me briefly while turning back to the video. When a sudden noise from the other room caused me to glance away, Michael seized the opportunity to grab the recorder and press the erase button. The psychologist later noted that such a calculated reprisal was unusual in a nine-year-old who would normally go for the recorder immediately or simply whine and sulk. He fucking erased it? That's insane. You should, you should put that kid away. That's creepy. Yeah. Did you record that? <laughs> uh-huh. And him acting so, so perfectly while the psychologist was there. Oh, yeah. That's faked. It was a performance. Absolutely. And he's so 1, young, he already has the performance art down, too. At nine, he already knows he was being watched and knew exactly what he needed to do by watching people. And his mom, you know, the, well, I guess you didn't do that right, did you? Oh, that's fucking creepy. That would chill me to the bone. That'd be the time where I'd be like, okay, we're putting you away. Well, and it's just like parents aren't equipped to handle that. Like, it's just sad because you can't expect a parent with no psychology background. And even if I was like a master's in psychology and then like just a run-of-the-mill therapist, you're not prepared to deal with that. You need a specialist. Correct. And that terrifies me, especially with rad kids and adopting and so many of those kids could already have these problems before you even know it and they're you know cutting cats tails and shit like that oh god that's so sad. i have a story i have a story oh just no wait. i bet it killed actually you it too actually let, let i'll just do my my couple little paragraph ones yeah no, go ahead of some kids that that did this so in some children see you and it's uh callous i don't remember the you part but it, it's basically they don't want to call children psychopaths because they're children but it's basically that yeah these traits manifest in obvious ways paul frick a psychologist at the university of new orleans who has studied risk factors for psychopathy in children for two decades described one boy who used a knife to cut off the tail of the family cat bit by bit over a period of weeks the boy was proud of the serial amputations, which his parents initially failed to notice. When we talked about it, he was very straightforward. Frick recalls, he said, I want to be a scientist, and I was experimenting. I wanted to see how the cat would react. One more. In another famous case, a nine-year-old boy named Jeffrey Bailey pushed a toddler into the deep end of the motel swimming pool in Florida. As the boy struggled and sank to the bottom, Bailey pulled up a chair to watch. Questioned by the police afterwards, Bailey explained that he was curious to see someone drown. When he was taken into custody, he seemed untroubled by the prospect of jail and was pleased to be the center of attention. Yeah, that's pretty trademark. I mean, both of those are pretty trademark, yeah. but especially just like being curious to see how somebody would drown. And they're like, oh, yeah. you're going to jail. And it's like, I got to see somebody drown. So, you know. Oh, yeah. It just pulls up a chair. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But the, the cat thing, like... Of course, that's going to upset me because I have cats, but also the fact that he methodically cut off bits over weeks. Yeah. That's a fucking serial killer in the making right there. That's so sad. Uh -huh. Poor baby. How long did it take you to notice? Like, uh, was your cat acting normal? 
but also these are psychopathic children like who knows what else they're doing in the background that the parents are can't notice the poor cat because they're noticing all these other things just trying to deal with their day-to-day exactly life. animals are really good at hiding injuries because they don't want people to notice so yeah that's my line like one of my kids goes after one of my animals we're done like i i love you to a point and the point of hurting other things is that that's it right there i love you enough to take you off the streets though you know like i love you to where i'm going to love everyone else around you too like i think Mm -hmm. because like have you ever well yeah we watched together we need to talk about kevin yes his mother still loved him but you got to get him off the fucking streets that's your responsibility correct i've told everyone on here i will turn my kid in so fucking fast if i find something out i'm being honest your child your animals they are your responsibility exactly that is my responsibility that i I can be held liable for what you're doing right now and i refuse and i mean not your adult children or not but your nine-year-old your 10-year-old your if i hide that they could put me in for animal abuse and I love my animals more than anything on the planet. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to hear about some ghosties? <laughs> sure. Okay. So this friend of mine would like to remain anonymous because she does not want identities of her children put out there, which is totally okay. fair. Totally fair. So she said, recently we lost my husband's grandfather and because of restrictions on gatherings, we were not allowed in the funeral home. So I felt it was a perfect opportunity to show my two boys a graveyard and teach them the importance of honoring the dead. As we walked around, I showed them how to read a headstone, where you walk, and how important it is to recite our protection prayers when we enter these areas. Also, how to say a quick prayer over a grave if you feel called to. Which, talking about this, I I know this person. We went to school together, but um, we never really got close or anything, so we weren't good friends, but... You know how, like, when you feel like you watch somebody on social media, even though you never really got close to them in school, I just really feel like we would have been, like, good friends because I love Mm -hmm. how she talks about talking to her kids about... I'll just go... I'll talk about how she talks to her kids about this, but I love everything about this. Okay. I don't pray, but, like, that's not my thing, but, like, I just love this so much. So she said how important it is to recite our protection prayers when we enter these areas as well. And to, you know, pray over a grave if you feel called to. We were the only ones, and she said only in capital letters, only ones in the entire cemetery. And my son asked, what about those guys over there? Oh, fuck that. Are they praying (laughs) too? I looked up and I saw no one. I asked him where they were because I didn't see anyone. And he looks me dead ass in the eyes and says, you don't see those two guys right over there. Sarcastically. God, mom, why are you being so well, dense? That's what she said. She said sarcastically, <laughs> like I'm blind. I quickly tell him that they are probably visiting their ancestors and we should give them space. Because she's like, mm, I prayed those protections all the way off the cemetery grounds. <laughs> I like, fucking bet. No. Don't you follow me. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. She said, my son is very empathetic and has old soul energy. I trust his instincts and embrace his little moments. I pray strong over him, light his Archangel Michael candle in his room, and salt around his windows. My advice for anyone raising kids with strong empathy is to take their spiritual protection very seriously. My son has said, sometimes monsters don't look like monsters. 
I feel them. Oh, I just, I literally got chills when I just said this. I feel them when I can't see them. Oh. I still, I just got chills three times <laughs> just trying to read that sentence. These are, but also I feel you, kid. Yeah. God dang. These are just a few ev events I feel comfortable sharing outside of our family. Hope it gave you a little bit of the creeps. Though that was the first <laughs> one that like gave me chills, like reading. It did. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's really special to have a parent that not only takes care of your child's energy, but mm -hmm. pays attention to it. Right. I think that so many parents, and this is not, I'm not faulting parents for this because I think that we're in such a protective Western society that when we mm -hmm. think about spirits and things like that, we're like, oh, spooky. No, where that's, you know, we don't think about that. That's gross. Like it, it doesn't exist right. to have a mother or a parent protecting you and wanting your best interest. Because like you said, you feel like you have ancestors around you protecting you because you are more spiritual and you you feel like you could be attacked easier. Yeah. His mother is watching out for him. You know, I feel like that's really right. special. And No, I I agree. And honestly, that plays to my heart a lot because that's how I feel I'll be. If I have a little girl or little boy who's like, Mommy, I see somebody over there, I'm going to be like, well, who do you see? What do they look like? And if it sounds like a family member, cool. And if it doesn't, cool, we're saging. Like... We're getting rid of that. Yeah. Or, you know, tell me, I, I just, you know, hope they feel comfortable enough talking to me. And the fact that he said, you know, mm -hmm. I feel them when I can't see them. Or sometimes monsters mm -hmm. don't look like monsters. You know that they are experiencing something that is scary, but that they can't describe or don't know how, you know, it could be right. some sort of, not necessarily assault on them, but something that maybe trying to communicate with them that you don't necessarily want just like stranger danger we see mm -hmm. on the physical plane stranger danger also applies on something we can't see but as a parent it's much harder to protect things you can't see and to be aware of that as a parent kudos to you dude like mm -hmm. that's really definitely that's important too you know that's super awesome and also super creepy <laughs> <laughs> right exactly thank you for the creeps it also reminds me a lot, of course, because I love movies and TV, so we're going to talk about TV for a second. And if anybody has finished, watched at all, The House on Haunted Hill, I finally got to finish it. So fucking good. And there's an episode, she has daughters, the main, the main mother. She has daughters, and she has three of them. And at least two of them are exhibiting signs of the same thing she is, of being able to, of, of being sensitive, of feeling or seeing or being able to touch that type of thing and she's so great about it one of her daughters she knows that she's acting different she hasn't even talked to her about it she's just like here are these clubs i just want to let you know that if it gets too much for you sometimes put these on it helps me feel better and i feel like that's going to be me a lot like if my kids are struggling if they're actually seeing stuff i'm gonna be like it happens to me too totally happens to me too and you're gonna have to adjust to that and i'm sorry it's gonna it's gonna be scary for a while but it's gonna be okay it's not a problem we have plenty of relatives all around that are gonna help us out yeah and it's not all bad mm -hmm. you know sometimes it can be a gift and exactly you know i i haven't really like i've said not oh i feel like if i really just started meditating and welcoming that into my life that I maybe would open that door up 
but I'm not willing to do that at this point. I was going to say, only do that if you're ready. I'm not. And I, I don't. Yeah. And like I said, I really struggle with beliefs on all mm-hmm. levels. Religious mm-hmm. beliefs, spiritual beliefs, paranormal beliefs. And I'm that's why I kind of always identify with that agnostic, like, gray area. Agnostic is just kind of that word that people use when they're like, I don't, I don't know. know, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. So, could be, couldn't be. I'm agnostic, just on like all planes of life. Like I don't know, and I feel like that's a pretty new. And that's also how I just am as a person. I'm like, I don't know, but I respect you, you know. Right. Like I just don't know. So, but I definitely would not be ready for that personally. But children are definitely where I. Like, like you said, if my kid came to me and was like experiencing that, I would never just tell them you just had a bad dream. Like if the, if I truly did think like, I, I would think like it was just a dream. Like maybe yeah. you just had a bad dream, but if they were like, no, I didn't, it was real. I'd be like, okay, okay, All okay, right, it's real. Okay. okay. What do you want to, what can we do to make this less scary for you? Like, let me show you some things that some people do to make them go away or you know how did you feel like you know you can kind of get a sense for if something is malicious or not malicious talking we movies aren't the best tools always but there are a lot of movies that we watch in pop culture that are based on actual practices so they're not always a bad tool to use either so right exactly as someone who took a lot of their knowledge from movies they can help of course they can make things a lot worse but sometimes they can help they can also get the ball rolling on research, though, too. Exactly. That, too. There's a lot of... I can't tell you how much information I have learned from movies just because they'll say something. I'll be like, huh, I'm going to look into that. Exactly. And I do. So, you know, just keep just keep an eye out on your kids. Never discount your children. Ever. That's ridiculous. Why would you... I mean, I guess unless they're a psychopath and believe that they're lying to you. Well, just if they're scared of something, I think that telling them that what they're scared of isn't real like yeah like obviously you're just trying to make them feel better so maybe say oh you you know it monsters aren't real like i completely understand that and okay maybe but like if they're completely convinced be like okay let's let's make them go away maybe be a better approach mm-hmm. you know how do we make the monsters go away right so you know salt lines or anything like that that's a great idea candles like thing you know a tangible thing to show them like this is going to keep the monsters away that's a wonderful method and it's also a real thing uh, in a lot of religions and practices right even speaking as you know a lapsed catholic but a catholic hand them some rosary beads it's got a little cross on it this will make everything better yeah i would do that that makes a lot of people feel better just having some sort of symbol to throw at the situation exactly so some of the ones i have are actually from parents these are very very small one two sentence little encounters a lot of them actually came from twitter so they're really like you know those like one two story horror story things that's a lot of kind (laughs) of what these are Okay. So, and some of them are really cool. Some of them are really creepy. And some of them also bring in that like afterlife question or before life questions that kids seem to want to answer for us sometimes. Okay. And it's really cool. So this one, my daughter was about five when she says, you're the best mommy I ever had. I said, I'm the only mommy you've ever had. She looks at me and says, no, you're the third one, but I like you the best. Yeah. 
Yes, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. I girl. brought speak of the truth. I brought that up because specifically you talked about like reincarnation and stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what I believe. I I have gone and done readings with my mom for past life people and we've literally been told, "Oh yeah, you guys have been in each other's lives for like hundreds of years. You just keep flipping on who's the mother and who's the daughter." That's cool. Yeah. Uh, that makes you wonder, like, how the relationships change, too. Like, Agreed. Especially because she and I are struggling right now. It makes me want... I mean, there's a lot of times, especially being a only child of a single parent, there's a lot of times where I feel like, not sexual, but like her spouse almost, the one who talks about finances with her, things like that, or almost like her mom sometimes like come on you gotta actually do that or vice versa she's my mom like it, it's all the same relationship sometimes role reversals exactly yeah. this one's funny <laughs> <laughs> okay. i was hiking alone in the woods with my son who was seven it was eerily quiet out of nowhere he says he ripped one no 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 <laughs> the woods demand a sacrifice <laughs> oh my fucking god we're i'd be like we're out get in the car we're fucking gone my kid's best friend started saying i am a boy the second she could talk very upset and agitated her mom thought she might be trans and started reading up on it then one day said i'm not a boy i was a boy start sobbing i miss my sister as her language skills improved, she explained further. I'm a boy. My sister takes care of me. We walk to work at the factory every day where they make buttons. We speak Spanish. And then, sobbing, I'm dead, I'm dead. And continues to sob. And then, night, oh my fucking God. night terrors. My friend is in a panic. What's wrong? And then, I'm dead because I got hit by a car. I was walking to the factory with my sister. The car hits me. It was dusty. I was dead on the dusty road. I missed my sister. I miss my sister. Wow. Yeah. I believe in that shit. Okay. I'm going to turn it to me for a second. Yeah, go ahead. And I'm sorry if nobody believes me, but remember, this is a haunted happy hour. Also, I'm telling you my truth. I have had readings done, and I have found out that I was actually in a past life. I'm, I have had many past lives, but here are two that I know that caused actually kind of comes back around i talked to you about my part of my problems with sex is that my family never talked about it here's another part of my problem i was actually part of a harem in a past life that multiple women didn't like that i was the new young one and they poisoned me and they killed me and they poisoned i ended up having two kids and they poisoned them too and they killed them then I went on right after that and became a fucking nun. Like, that's that's the stuff I believe in. Like, I'm fucking done with this shit. I'm not I'm not dealing with sex right now. I'm not dealing with kids. I'm not dealing with any of it. I'm gonna be a nun for this life. I believe in that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that story before. Yeah. Worked at a pediatrician's office, screening a five-year-old for therapy. He lived in the country, no friends, homeschooled. Parents had no TV. Mid-screen, he looks at me and says, Your brother saved my life in Desert Storm. That's fucking cool! I went cold and pale because my brother was indeed in Desert Storm. That's so fucking cool. Did he survive? Like, bring him over to the kid. Be like, dude. I don't know. Did I, I not have you? contact. Any more contact. <laughs> yeah. That's 
That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, dude. Like, can you? Oh, God. I, chills. Just chills running yeah, through my body. And these are, like, not creepy, but kind of cool. And that's what, like, I, that's kind of where, like, I took a turning point. Because some of these are creepy, but this one says, When my daughter was two, I found her under the table with one of my husband's old children's books. She was turning pages as if she were reading, being read to. I asked her what she was doing. She said, reading with grandma. My husband's mother died Aww. two years before she was born, and it was her book. Aww. Yeah. Broken. Broken heart. Oh my god. I would die. I would just burst into tears, be shut in my room, be like, I can't talk to anybody. This one's also funny, because it didn't happen, but it's like, when I, if I had a kid and they said this, I'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Child. We're all gonna die. Me. I know, sweetie. That's just part of child. You're gonna die tomorrow. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Oh my god. I'm not going anywhere. I'm shutting myself in the closet. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> On several occasions, my son referred to the guy in our old house. He's big like daddy, but it's not daddy. He'd tell me guy was standing in the dark hallway. After no talk of it for several months, one day he suddenly looked up at the ceiling and whispered, Guy is back. <laughs> oh, fuck that. We're moving. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. When my niece was seven, she asked us why we were keeping all the dead grandmas in the attic. Then she laughed. <laughs> all of them. They just hang out there. No, 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 no. Oh, fuck that. What if they do? What if they're having like a knitting circle upstairs in the attic? Huh. <laughs> they're meeting place. They're playing bingo again. I would do that. I just hang upstairs bingo like again. play bingo. I fucking love bingo. When my daughter was two, we were walking above a creek and stopped to look at it. She stared at it completely silent and somber and then pointed and said, I died in there. Oh my god, I know it's gonna creep me out, but I kinda hope that my kids say shit like that, cause I'm gonna be like, I knew it. I fucking knew it. I knew it! I was right! <laughs> <laughs> Once I was at a really low point in my life, considering giving up at my teacher training, I sat in bomb art gallery on a bench and just started to sob. A little girl with dark long plates skipped over to me with a kaleidoscope. She just ignored the fact that I was crying, held the kaleidoscope up to me, and said, Look, isn't it beautiful? It was. She skipped off, and suddenly, every, suddenly everything looked full of colors instead of the blackness she had been that had been consuming me. She knew exactly what I needed. See, I know that's not creepy at all. And, like, I've always said, like, I don't like kids. I do like kids. Like, I know that we've talked about this before. Like, Yeah, because you'd be the best kindergarten teacher ever. I know, and I hate it. I don't hate it. It's just like I've just never been around kids. Like nobody in my family has kids. We have like my the first cousin in my family is pregnant. Like right now she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. So like we've just never been around. I've just never been around them, you know. Right. And me as one of 16 grandkids, been around a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just never like really known how to like what age do you like how do you when do you stop talking to them like they're children versus like adults like okay weird. okay but i agree with you on that part because even i love you jess and i love your boys but sometimes i feel so awkward around them i'm like i don't know how to act with you right now i don't know what you know i don't know what's going on well and i think too it's like when you're around them constantly you you grow with them 
Exactly. Like with, uh, you know what they know. Yeah, with our one friend that has kids, she moved down to Texas. Like, we don't see them. So when we see them, it's been, unfortunately, years in yeah. between. So it's like... I don't know what you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. But when they lived here, we were fine with Jackson. We knew what he knew on a week-to-week -week basis. Exactly. Exactly. So this one says, this was my first. At the store, we'd had a nice day, picnic at the park. Suddenly, my son grabs my hand and he squeezes real hard and says, Mama, when you die, I'm going to make a little you so I can keep you always. Like, that's what I did. Like with your skin and eyes. Jesus but Christ. But probably not your insides. All smiles. <laughs> That's not what you did. That's not what I did. <laughs> you spoke too soon. I spoke way too he soon. He wants Buffalo Bill type stuff. He just wants the skin in the eyes. When my baby Jumbie died that I got, I've told you guys about, I made a little yarn figure of him. I did not use his skin. <laughs> Don't turn me in. I mean, you can taxidermy your animal. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's I'd be like, uh, Connor, I'm gonna go out of town for about a week. You handle, you hold down the fort. Why, honey? I I can't tell you. That. I gotta go. <laughs> Jess, I'm on my way. <laughs> we don't know where in Texas she lives, but <laughs> five year old, can I marry you? Me? No, sorry, sweetie, I have a boyfriend. Five year old, thanks for a second. What if he died? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. One of my kids drew a picture of an airplane and then said, All the people in the airplane are trapped. I said, What? She then drew orange <laughs> flames everywhere and red blood oh everywhere God. else and said they all died and no one would ever find them. This was the same week that that flight from Malaysia went missing. Holy shit. Yeah. It's so I'm tough. Like, fair warning, if my kids do shit like that, I'm calling a shrink right away and be like, this is what happened. Here it is. Here's the artwork. Fix it. They're drawing death. <laughs> Which may be a totally appropriate response to figuring out death, but that's what I need you to figure out. <laughs> fix is it. it normal or is it not normal? If it's normal, we Gucci. If it's not, just tell me what to do. Exactly. I don't. Do we need to go somewhere? I don't need to die. I don't even need a diagnosis. I just need you to know if they're fucked up and they're gonna kill me in my sleep. That's all I need. Correct, correct. All right, I'm gonna do my last long one. And this is kind of, kind of creepy. At 11, Samantha is just over five feet tall and has wavy black hair and a steady gaze. She flashes a smile when I ask her about her favorite subject, history, and grimaces when I ask about her least favorite subject, math. She seems poised and cheerful, a normal preteen, but when we steer into uncomfortable territory, the events that led to this juvenile treatment facility nearly 2,000 miles away from her family, Samantha hesitates and looks down at her hands. I wanted the whole world to myself, she says, so I made a whole entire book about how to hurt people. Starting at age six, Samantha began drawing pictures of murder weapons, a knife, a bow and arrow, chemicals for poisoning, a plastic bag for suffocating, she tells me that she pretended to kill her stuffed animals. You were practicing on your stuffed animals, I ask her. She nods. How did you feel when you were doing that to your stuffed animals? Happy? Why did it make you feel happy? Because I thought that someday I was going to end up doing it on somebody. Did you ever try? Silence. I choked my little brother. 
Samantha's parents, Jen and Danny, adopted Samantha when she was two. They already had three biological children, but they felt called to add Samantha, not her real name, and her half-sister, who is two years older, to their family. They later had two more kids. From the start, Samantha seemed a willful child, in tyrannical need of attention, but what toddler isn't? Her biological mother had been forced to give her up because she lost her job in a home and couldn't provide for her four children, but there was no evidence of abuse. According to documentation from the state of Texas, Samantha met all of her cognitive, emotional, and physical milestones. She had no learning disabilities, no emotional scars, no signs of ADHD or autism. But even at a very young age, Samantha had a mean streak. When she was about 20 months old, living in foster parent, living with foster parents in Texas, she clashed with a boy in daycare. The caretaker sued them both. Problem solved. Later that day, Samantha, who was already potty trained, walked over to where the boy was playing, pulled down her pants, peed on him. She knew exactly what she was doing, Jen says. There was an ability to wait until an opportune moment to exact her revenge on somebody. When Samantha got a little older, she would pinch, trip, or push her siblings and smile if they cried. She would break into her sister's piggy bank and rip up all the bills. Once, when Samantha was five, Jen scolded her for being mean to one of her siblings. Samantha walked upstairs to her parents' bedroom and washed her mother's contact lenses down the drain. Her behavior wasn't impulsive, Jen says. It was very thoughtful, premeditated. Jen, a former elementary school teacher, and Danny, a physician, realized they were out of their depth. They consulted doctors, psychiatrists, and therapists, but Samantha only grew more dangerous. They had her admitted to a psychiatric hospital three times before sending her to a res residential treatment program in Montana at age six. Samantha would grow out of it. One psychologist assured her parents, the problem was merely delayed empathy. Samantha was impulsive, another said, something that medication would fix. Yet another suggests that she had reactive attachment disorder, RAD, which could be ameliorated with intensive therapy. More darkly, and typically in these sorts of cases, another psychologist blamed Jen and Danny, implying that Samantha was reacting to, sh to harsh and unloving parenting. One bitter December day in 2011, Jen was driving the children along a winding road near their home. Samantha had just turned six. Suddenly, Jen heard screaming from the back seat, and when she looked in the mirror, she saw Samantha with her hands around the throat of her two-year-old sister, who was trapped in her car seat. Jen separated them, and once they were home, she pulled Samantha aside. What were you doing? Jen asked. I was trying to choke her, Samantha said. Oh my God. You realize that would have killed her. She would have been unable to breathe. She would have died. I know. What about the rest of us? I want to kill all of you. Oh my god. Samantha later showed Jen her sketches, and Jen watched in horror as her daughter demonstrated how to strangle or suffocate her stuffed animals. I was so terrified, Jen says. I felt like I had lost control. Four months later, Samantha tried to strangle her baby brother, who was just two months old. Jen and Danny had to admit that nothing seemed to make a difference. Not affection, not discipline, not therapy. I was reading and reading and reading, trying to figure out what diagnosis made sense, Jen tells me. What fits with behaviors I'm seeing? Eventually, she found one condition that did seem to fit, but it was a diagnosis that all the mental health professionals had dismissed because it is considered both rare and untreatable. In July 2013, Jen took Samantha to a psychiatrist in New York City who confirmed her suspicion. In the children's mental health world, it's pretty much a terminal diagnosis, except your child's not going to die, Jen says. It's just there's no help. 
She recalls walking out of the psychiatrist's office on that warm afternoon and standing on a street corner in Manhattan as pedestrians pushed past her in a blur. A feeling fluttered over her, singular, unexpected. Hope. Someone had finally acknowledged her family's plight. Perhaps she and J Danny could, against the odds, find a way to help their daughter. Samantha was diagnosed with conduct disorder with callous and unemotional traits. She had all the characteristics of a budding psychopath. Yeah, ain't no help for that, baby. Sorry. For sure. Yeah, like, she already tried to strangle two of your fucking kids. I'm done. Yeah. You, you just can't leave her alone with anyone forever. And what are you gonna do? Put an ad out for nanny needed for psychopath must be watched 24-7. What are you gonna do? You know, like... You, <laughs> she gets to be in an institution the rest of her life, unfortunately. Like, that's what you do. Like, that's so inhumane, but also that's just... What do you do? They're gonna I mean, kill it's that people. or kill her. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> exactly. Like, she literally would have killed those two kids. End of discussion. What would you have done if they didn't scream? You would just get out of the car and you'd have a dead baby sitting in the fucking thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. Just, uh, this is a horrible situation. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's a horrible disease. It's a horrible uh -huh. disorder. Uh-huh. Okay, so I have some stuff left. They're pretty short little things, but there is five years between my older brother and I. One night, shortly after I was brought home, my brother was asleep in his room. He heard knocking and scraping around in his closet. He woke, sat up in bed, and watched a man he still describes as the devil exit his closet. Whoa. He walked to the foot of his bed, smiled, and said, I'll see you soon, kid. And then and then returned to the closet. My brother, rightfully terrified, went running into my parents' room and immediately told them what had happened. For the next few nights, they let him sleep in bed with them. Just a few nights later, the ceiling in his room collapsed, crushing his bed. Was he in it? Nope. He was still sleeping with his parents. Oh, thank God. I was going to say, that's yep. probably it. That was probably I'll see you soon, kid. Oh my God, that's fucking terrifying. Would have been, though. Oh my God, a poor kid. The devil scared him. Yeah. When my son was three, he had speech issues. It was hard to understand him. One day, while I was driving, he starts telling me a story. It started, Mommy, when I was in your tummy, you worked at McDonald's. I said, yeah, wondering where he heard that since my stint there was very short. Then you got in an accident and were hurt. Yeah, I was, buddy, but it all turned out okay. You were fine and safe in my tummy. At this point, I'm weirded out because even though I was still dealing with lawyers regarding my car accident, I didn't think I had ever told him that. At least not in detail, and never about McDonald's. I know, Mommy. I was watching over you. What? I said quickly. Yeah, I was watching over you, next to a man in white. He said you were going to be okay, and after that, I didn't get another response out of him. He's now nine and remembers none of this. Wow. Yeah. This one's really short, but it's funny. <laughs> when my little brother was three or four, he told us about a severed head that had no skin that was hanging from the curtain rod in his bedroom. And oh, very funny. Very funny. He didn't seem to have a problem with it at all. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally cool with it. He's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, There's That's my type of horror guy. Yeah. Ah, this is the one with Pazuzu on it. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> you got this. You got this. Playing with my then four-year-old son in our backyard when I catch him having an animated conversation to himself, I joke and ask him if he has an imaginary friend. He looks me right in the eyes with no expression and says, No, Daddy, I'm talking to David. 
He died in his car, and everyone was crying, but they couldn't save him, and now he comes to see me. Get it? Yeah. Getting ready for supper time, and my wife is playing with my then two-year-old, and he is standing, staring into the kitchen. God, it's so hard to read. Okay, I have to hold my hair. <laughs> Over the face. I with bet. this blank look on his face, and then his eyes just light up, and he has a huge smile on his, and whispers, Grandma. Well, Grandma died of cancer before the last two were born. Grandma didn't even know they were expecting with our second, let alone third, and we call my my mom, Nan, we asked him where Grandma was, and he just smiled and walked away. So you have one kid talking to David, who died in a car accident, and then you have the other one talking to Nan. <laughs> and there was I literally mean, no reason to put the Zuzu on that. I'm just letting everybody know. It's literally just <laughs> right? torture me. I mean, not the whole who whoever David is, but first of all, that'd be me as a grandmother. I'd be like, I'm coming. Alright, the last thing I have is a little paragraph, but it's pretty important. Alright, excited. And last, I have a quick psychopath story about someone whom we all know. This is a story about two little boys. When they were little, both boys received a set of blocks to play with. The older one took the younger brother's blocks and superglued them together and wouldn't let the little brother play with the blocks that were not superglued because they were for the older brother. Period. Your little brother's not allowed to play with them. These are older brother's blocks. Back off. Mom even got involved and did nothing about it because the older brother was cute and funny. The little brother was emotionally abused for years by the older brother until he became nothing but a shell of a person who would do Big Brother's bidding, no matter how nefarious or despicable. This is a true story about two brothers, Robert and Donald Trump. Who's the older brother, Kristen? Donald is the older brother. (laughs) That is a true story that Donald Trump's mother told about those two boys they actually did get them both the same set of blocks donald trump super glued his little brother's blocks together and then wouldn't let him play with the others because those are his that is a psychopath he literally mentally abused his brother for years that he would sign off on anything he would maybe sue his niece maybe sign off on property that was maybe a little illegal because he was emotionally abused. Guess, that is a true story. Guess who has to pay Stormy Daniels legal fees as of today? Which That's is $44,000. Nothing. I nothing. know, but the fact that he lost is still so great. So yeah. Great. And you should go read Mary Trump's book, by the way. Correct. There are more stories about how much of a psychopath. And I know we're talking about creepy kids right now. He was a creepy kid. Like, he was a psychopath way back then, and it hasn't changed. This, that, that is him. It's creepy. Read into it. Yep. Register to vote. So, the last <laughs> thing that I have is actually a little bit different. So, these are definitely creepy kids, but I'm ending with this because I think this would actually be a cool episode to do on its own because this is like okay. a whole, like, sect of paranormal there's actually movies yeah. just about these i've never actually read about it but i have seen that it is a spooky thing so i'm excited yes. black-eyed children 
So black-eyed children are literally black-eyed children. It's a paranormal phenomenon or event of children that they, that's kind of like vampires. They need permission to enter your home or your vehicle. And it's said that when they're near you, you immediately feel they're kind of like dementors, like sorrow, dread, instead of like cold. But like okay. you just feel hopeless. It's horrible. But they look like children, uh, except for they have these like weird little black eyes. But they're really manipulative and they will try anything to get into your home. So do not let Ew. them in. Okay. Yeah. This is a story from Abilene, Texas in 1996. Okay. Now- Oh, go ahead. Not a part of the podcast. Where is it compared to where you were? This is in the Bible Belt. Texas is all in the Bible Belt. <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, it's about, I think it's about three hours from Dallas. Abilene is incredible. This is where there's a university there, a Christian university. All I know is that Abilene is not my jam because of how <laughs> um, Christian it is. That's Kay. all I really know about Abilene. Okay. And that you say it like Abilene. <laughs> um, okay. It's about. I can respect that. Yeah, it's about three hours, and I have no interest in ever really going to Abilene. Fair. But yeah, it's west of Dallas. So when you're going out towards West Texas, okay. Um, the more west, well, I guess really the more west or east you go, the more crazy hick you get. <laughs> <laughs> So you go east, you get Abilene, and then you kind of hit Midland, Odessa. You keep going, and you're eventually going to hit El Paso on that same kind of stretch of land there. I'll stop talking like this now. (laughs) No, no, please talk about it the whole time. Brian Bethel, a journalist from Abilene, Texas. (laughs) I love it. This is how all my family sounds when I go back to do, like, barbecues. Not all of them, but, like, some of them especially. I've heard... I remember when your uncle, cousin, cousin. came into town. My real racist cousin. You were like, did you hear him? I was like, I did. I did hear him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because when I drink, like, I drink, like, probably, a, I didn't drink, I had to finish off this bottle, so I didn't have a whole bottle of wine, which is good. We like to pace ourselves here. I probably <laughs> had a glass and a half of wine, so, like, enough. When I drink, a lot of wine y'all have heard like it just the, the eyes get longer a little bit yeah, you know y'all have heard y'all i'm not from the deep, deep <laughs> south texas isn't like the south but it is southern so. but like a little you're like a little southern bell i mean my mother did go to a high school where she sent me a picture of herself and she was in the drill team and the backdrop was a Confederate flag. So. Are you fucking kidding me? No, their mascot oh, was different the, times. Their mascot was the Colonels. When she, and by that I mean the fucking Confederate Colonels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which is, I'm curious when they actually changed that because I feel like it was only recently. Hold on. So there's still the Colonels, but now it's just. There's, I don't see a Confederate flag anywhere on the website. Is it the Kentucky Fried? It does look like the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy. It actually looks like uh, like kind of an imposed Robert E. Lee, to be honest with you, which is still not better. But it doesn't like say that. It's just this dude with a hat 
and a big white mustache and a big white goatee. But yeah, she sent me a picture of her and a drill team and it was a big old Confederate flag behind her. Oh, the South. Oh, the South. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Brian Bethel, a journalist from Abilene, Texas, in 1996, in his report, described a late evening out in his vehicle. He had stopped in a parking lot near a movie theater to write a check. He was so absorbed in this that he didn't notice two young boys approach his car. He didn't notice until the older boy tapped the driver's side window. Bethel rolled down his window and noted immediately a soul-wracking fear, though he couldn't understand why. The Roll older the window up. Yeah. <laughs> the older boy said that he and his brother wanted to catch a movie but had forgotten their money at home. Could Bethel give them a ride? They assured him that it wouldn't take long. They were just two kids, and they didn't have a gun. Listen, if a, <laughs> I know this is Texas and everything, but if a Even kid, kids have guns. If, if a kid immediately is like, I don't have a gun, mister, you I would immediately be like, if that's your first instinct to say, I ain't doing this, nuh-uh. Right? What happened to don't get in cars with strangers? You're like, I'm just heading there. Be like... I know we didn't have, like, cell phones, you know, but I would have been like, can you just go into the movie theater and tell them to call your parents? Like, mm-mm. Right? Ain't gonna be me. <laughs> Bethel found the assurances unnerving. Okay, yeah. And noted that the last <laughs> showing of the film they wanted to see had already started and would be nearly over by the time he could drive them anywhere and get back. In his recount of the incident, he stated that when he broke eye contact with them, his fear became all-encompassing, and it wasn't until he broke eye contact that their eyes became completely blacked out. The older boy, began, yeah, the older boy began to get frustrated when Bethel made excuses for not giving them a ride and said that they couldn't get into the car unless Bethel said it was okay. Yeah, Outlander. Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> After that, Bethel tore out of the parking lot. To this day, he still stands by his story. Fucking A, right? Just hit the gas. Run the little bastards over. <laughs> just, just, no, no. <laughs> points. <sighs> yeah. Six points. <laughs> yep. How did I <laughs> Oh, that's all I thought of. Like, they had fucking their hands on his face like we're gonna kill you woman outlander <laughs> get the book outlander <laughs> <laughs> y'all watch south park or no have y'all started doing that yet like we told you to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know kids are creepy let your kids uh, be who they are and don't traumatize them with religion and talk about sex. Does that pretty much cover up this? <laughs> cover and this episode? Break. <laughs> <laughs> it's been two hours. Are you still here? Hello? Right. God dang. God dang. God dang. God dang. They're gonna be like, be like three stars. Like the paranormal stuff. Can we stop getting lectured, please? <laughs> right. They're like it's haunted happy hour. I'm sitting here for two. Like skip through lecture preachy part <laughs> uh, especially from us no kids no nothing we're just like we be better people no shit look maybe that's why <laughs> we don't have kids so we're not constantly frustrated by them pressing our buttons we can remain objective or maybe that's why you shouldn't listen to us because they're not <laughs> constantly pressing our buttons and you're like you don't know what it's like but right. I at least want kids. Amanda doesn't. Maybe someday I'll be like, don't listen to anything we've said ever. Hey, I still think that 
letting your child be who they want to be without chastising them yeah. for making their own decisions is a valid advice. And talking to them, like, that's a good fucking thing. Do it. Also, you're somebody's child, so you know what your parents have done that have hurt you. Exactly. So don't do that. <laughs> I feel exactly. like... I know what continues to like fuck me up to this day that I'm talking to my therapist about on a weekly basis. So I can tell you because I go to therapy and I'm pretty self-aware um, what we still deal with and coming from a non-professional, but he's professional every single Thursday standpoint. These are the things. <laughs> so right. Work on them. Correct. <laughs> and also another scary thing about having children is you're 100% going to make a mistake that stays with yeah. them for the rest of their lives, whether you mean to or not. So just make sure they're not like character altering mistakes, you know? Yeah. That's basically where I stand. I'm like, okay, where did I get fucked up? Let's not do those. And let's just listen and talk. That's all I want to do. Yeah. No secrets and mm -hmm. you let them be them. Right. And I'm just going to get more dogs and spiders. I have 11 now. There you go. Exactly. Be the spider queen. 11 tarantulas. And I got to see them eat and they do happy dances. They're all sitting next to me. They're all on my right. Are they just watching you? They're like, I'll... bitch, are you done yet? I'm watching them. One of them is <laughs> climbing the walls. Well, two of them. One of them is always on the walls. <laughs> One of them has been webbing up her enclosure. But she is so cute. And she did a dance. I got to see. Yeah. Yeah. They be doing that. They They're do really dances cool. and shake their booties. They do. They do that. Because they get happy when they eat, which I also do. Happy dance when you eat. Come on. I know. <laughs> I think we all need to start doing happy dances after we eat. Make us all happier. Everyone needs a spider. Yeah. Oh. I don't want my spider. Oh, I was going to say, I'll bring one. <laughs> I have dogs, but I also have spiders. I, I have fish because that's the next level I can do. Spiders is too creepy. I can't traumatize spiders, though. You can traumatize dogs. Do you know that? Probably cats, yes. too. I don't know yes. about cats. I, I do know that. Yeah. You can traumatize dogs. Probably cats, too. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that either, please. Choose a fish or a spider if you're going to do that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Spiders at least have incredibly simple nervous systems and they don't, um, whoops, they don't get traumatized. As you smack somebody. No, I just smacked the inside of the table. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for hanging out with us on this creepy kids, Randy, talk about our trauma episode. And that's uh, what our HHHs are. <laughs> I know, I know. You just move them over to Patreon because at least they love us. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, if you want to go follow us on social medias, The Extra Sisters Podcast is pretty much everything except for Twitter, which is at The Extra Sisters. And you can go over to Patreon if you want to join that little fam-bam over there. It's patreon.com slash The Extra Sisters Podcast for extra content and even more content coming at you in 2021 over there. So you can go check out those tiers over there and see if it tickles your fancy. <laughs> and, uh... Now I'm drunk, and I'm gonna go make my fiance take me to the movie theater to go buy popcorn. And you're not actually gonna see a movie, you're just gonna get some popcorn. Oh no! I have been waiting for popcorn for months. I have been, you know, withdrawing. I need popcorn. I'm going. 
Gonna get in the car! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're going. Does he know? Oh, yeah, he knows. I was oh, like, okay. I was like, the first showing is at one. We're gonna go get popcorn. <laughs> he's like, okay, okay, we're ready. He's I'm going. Like, he's just been waiting. He's like, are you bitches done yet? God. <laughs> I, even, I even texted him. I was like, Amanda's doing our last one. Be ready. <laughs> get the key. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You better have that car started. Let's go. Uh, I have to, like, in, like, 35 minutes, take my first shower 24 hours post tattoo. Does it hurt? I have to peel off my Saniderm. Yeah, it's no uh. fucking fun, dude. Like, you do it 24 hours after your tattoo, and then you put Saniderm on for five days, and then you take it off five days after, and neither one of them are fun. <laughs> I'm super dreading it, and I really don't fucking want to. I make this is probably TMI. I make Brad get in the shower with me mostly just to like pep talk me up. And <laughs> you he's got like, this. You can do it. He's like, look, that's such a big piece. Go, go, go. And I'm like, hit me with the water again. <laughs> so wish me no, luck. I'm going to go do that. But my Pennywise piece is looking amazing. So it is. It's looking so good. Yeah, we have I one more session it. on it. And my mom, like, I mentioned to her one time I was going to get this piece done so she knows. But I think she might have blocked it out of her memory. So I think when she realizes that it's fucking gigantic, by the way, it's a huge <laughs> ass, like four three hour sessions. So this is a 12 hour piece. So I'm pretty sure she's going to disown me. So if any moms want a horror woman <laughs> tattoo, no, she's not. She's not going to disown me. She's going to be horrified. But she's for sure going to. Oh my gosh. Tell you you're evil. Get her panties. <laughs> <laughs> my brother got a like colorful. It's just a dagger, like a, just a dagger. Like there's no meaning behind it, but it's like colorful. I remember, I don't traditional style dagger tattooed on his leg. It's like palm size or like finger to wrist sized. It's got like flowers on it. And she had a meltdown. I was like, <laughs> this one is the size of my fucking forearm. Yeah. And the first time she sees you in shorts, it's gonna go bad. Imagine if we ever go swimming together. Eek. Because through shorts, you can only see, like, his hands kind of sticking out, you know? Mm-hmm. Big rib. <laughs> when she sees his face, like, being all demonic and, like, smiling and his eye, oof. Woo! Mandy, my tattoo artist, even was like, oh my god, he looks so demonic, and I was like, please don't use that term. <laughs> <laughs> My mom is not gonna like that. <laughs> For sure. Oh. Well, wish me luck. So I'm gonna go peel that off in the shower after this. So cool, cool, cool. I'm gonna go get my popcorn. And until next time, stay creepy.